Hello and welcome to another episode of the PE Performance Podcast. Episode 26 is a conversation with a good friend of mine, Foster Horan, from the Irish Sevens team. The Irish Sevens have just qualified for the Olympics, having won the World Repechage Tournament in Monaco a couple of weeks ago, so we had a great conversation about that. We also talked about the long road to getting there for both the team and for Foster personally, as he's dealt with injury setbacks through the years. And then we had a little bit of a conversation about the calibre of players that he's played with within the seven system, many of whom have gone on to play international rugby at 15s level. And we had a little bit of a chat about the Lions as well. So, as always, I hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, please remember to like it, share it and send it. Foster, my man, what's the story? How are you getting on? I'm good, I'm good. How are you, Petey? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, you're on your day off today, are you? Yeah, so it's a rest day today, so we're just recovering. We've um, sort of training's been upped a little bit now since uh, we've qualified for Tokyo. So we're actually, we're doing a lot of training at the moment in skins and stuff and base layers just to get used to the, the humidity and the, the heat out in Tokyo. So um, no, it's, uh, it's going well, so it is. Um, so it's good to get a day off. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm sure the hydration's on point then as well. Like you're getting used to that too, because you're obviously sweating buckets if you're training in that heat in base layers. Like that's it, man. Yeah, I got the water on hand here today, so uh, just get. I'll be, if I'm sipping away there, don't worry about that. Like, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No bother. And then in terms of the training and the intensity jumping, I'd say with lads knowing that there's. Olympic kind of selection at hand and there's only limited places on the squad lads are probably ripping into each other in training are they? Oh big time like as you know there's only there's only 13 guys heading over to Tokyo so everyone's fairly hungry and training's been going well it's just about even polishing off some some little details now about going into Tokyo but for sure there's lads tearing lumps out of each other so it's about uh just making sure you get through these training sessions and play well, like so that you can get yourself onto that plane to Tokyo. Absolutely. And then like the vibe amongst the squad, it must be, are you all excited or is there any nerves or are people kind of unsure of where they stand and they're kind of just trying to put their best foot forward to get themselves on that plane now? I, you know, like everyone's excited. Like there's there's a great buzz around around training camp and stuff like that. Like everyone can't wait to get going. But there is obviously a bit of nerves and a bit of anxiousness around. Am I going to get there? And am I going to be selected? So it's just about working hard and keeping through your processes and getting there. Like in the end. Um. But yeah, look, there's been a great buzz. Like the lads are in great form. So that's that's class. Like yeah, always good to play in a squad that are kind of all in good spirits and when you're winning and you're on top like it's always easy to be in good spirits and, and obviously the most recent win at the World Repechage is the big one that we're going to talk about today so talk to me about that weekend it's two weeks ago now or a week and a half ago now just phenomenal stuff like he absolutely dominated in all in, well, in he won all the games like he dominated a lot of them but some of them were a little bit more up and down what was the experience like over in Monaco? Yeah, big time, man. Like, it's hard to believe still, to be honest with you, even though it's a week and a half, it still hasn't really sunk in. Like, we knew as a group going over there, we were we were confident as a group going over that we could get the job done. 
I'm not sure if many other people knew what was going on, but it sort of did explode when we got into that final against France. And we knew France were a quality side, like as in we've played them for the last two years. We probably hadn't got a win over them. Like it has always been close. There's always been one score in it. But like when we went to that final, like we said, we'd have to knuckle down and really get stuck in because we knew what quality side that French team are. So it was just great to get that win and to book our place into Tokyo. But the whole weekend, like, I've never been, like, I was rooming with uh, Ian Fitzpatrick and he was like, I was shaking before every game, like, knowing that, going into it, like, we need to win this, like, it's do or die, like, um, and I haven't felt anything like that since when we qualified for the World Series in Hong Kong in 2019. So it was just, I suppose that that stood to us as well going into Monaco, having having experienced that before. So like before every game, like I was a nervous wreck. But once I got out onto the field, then like you're a one, like you're in a, in a great place. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It didn't seem. I watched all the games that weekend, and it didn't seem like you were nervous at all. Like because. From an outside perspective, uh, obviously in sevens, like you're trying not to engage the contact as often as you would in 15s because you have the risk of turning over the ball. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like when the likes of, say, Terry or Jordan or even Harry sometimes like got the ball, they wouldn't engage that contact as early. But when you got the ball, you were just coming on like a train and nearly looking for contact at times and backing yourself to just run through soft shoulders. Like, and it worked. Like, you got a team in the tournament, you got a couple of meat pies for yourself too. So it wasn't noticeable for sure. Like, so what was it like within the games? I don't know. Like, within the games, like, we, we felt controlled within the games. I did anyway, between each game. Like, I felt like we we were dictating the pace of the game, that we were dictating how we wanted to play. Like, and to be fair, like, I felt we were taking over nicely in each game. Now, there obviously was some ropey points within the games. Like, obviously, that French game, they got the two tries to go ahead uh, initially in the first half. But still, I knew that we were going to get our purple patch and that we were going to get our run of the, run of the green. And to be fair, we did. Um, and like I just felt like we were just that little bit more fitter than than the the French team that that, that made a difference like in terms of like that second half like, but yeah for sure like, you know like you have like Terry and Jordo there they're always gonna try beat lads they've got the pace but sometimes when you don't have the pace you're gonna have to find another way to get through all right so you do but uh, I don't works out I I have my strengths and they've their strengths so we sort of stick to what we do like. Yeah, no, nah, you're being modest there. You still, you're, you're not slow at all. Like you got, you got away for a couple of tries as well. So, you're definitely being modest there. Just to go back to the French game though, like to hear Billy speaking afterwards, like he spoke really, really well. But it was interesting that he touched on over the course of the game how his emotions changed. You don't really hear lads saying very often that they had doubts as to if they were going to win the game. And he did say that he thought the game was gone from him. But hearing you speak there, you you kind of, the opposite of that, you thought that you were always within a chance and you were always going to come back. So it's interesting yeah. that you had that contrast within the squad. Yeah, no, like I, I definitely knew that we were in a good place. Like even, even when the French went ahead, like or when they scored the first try, I just knew like they, they had to work so much harder for their first try. Like they had to go through numerous phases. I think I counted it was four or five minutes of defense from us. Like, and I just remember thinking like, geez, we have them here. Like, and they were blowing at that stage. Like, and I was like, geez, we're in a good place here. Now they scored straight off, off the kickoff, which was a bit of a, 
a downer for us now, but still I knew like we we're one score in it, like, you know, anything could happen once you're in one score, especially in a sevens game, you know yourself, like it's so open and anything could happen at all. So I knew if we just stuck to our processes that we would get the results and obviously eventually did come our way, thank God. Like, Yeah, it's weird as well though that, and that must have been really good for you to see that when they had all possession for four or five minutes and they were blown, and you were grand because, like, I know, like, you don't know it until you live it in a sevens game. But defense is way harder than the attack. Way harder. So like, much harder. and if they're tired and you're grand, like, then you know that you have them. I suppose you're nearly yeah. doing the rope it up, Muhammad Ali, isn't it? <laughs> that was it, though. Like that, honestly, that was the turning point for me. Like, even though we were down, I was like, like, we're fine here. We're actually holding our own here. Um. To be fair, like they they were blown like a bit harder, like you know. But like I just thought that the that defensive set and a lot of lads highlight that defensive set was the one that actually won it. Even though they did score eventually, but we just had to make them work that much harder. And like they're such a talented team, like that that French team are unbelievably talented. Like they've got French internationals in there and stuff who played for the 15 side. And like to hold them out for that long, like was impressive. Like you know, um. And, like, I'd say they even thought to themselves, geez, like, you know, like, they were scoring at will all weekend. Like, they were blowing teams out of the water, like, you know. But I'd say even they thought after that defensive set, they were like, wow, like, these lads aren't here to just make up the numbers. Like, these lads are here to play and win, like. Yeah. Now, obviously, a lot of it comes down to fitness and, say, your will and your want to win. But even at the top level, like, everybody wants to win. So that's not the major determining factor. Do you no. think that, like, you're always so organised, like, you never look out of sorts when you're on the field defending. Do you think a lot of your success in the last couple of years comes down to that organisation and comes in defence? Oh, big time, huge. Like, as in, like, there's so many lads, like, we've all played together now for probably a good five, four years, like, together, like, and, like, that makes such a big difference. Like, we're all so organised and we know we know where each person's strength is and where they should be sort of in that defensive line and what works for them, like, and I think that made a huge difference. Like, everyone is just in the right position and the right time, like, you know, um, and then, as you said, like, we just know we're well organised. Like, we've, we've been training for pretty much two years. All our goals have been set on that tournament in Monaco like you know and just when it came around I think we were one of the best organised teams going into that 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 weekend like so that really stood to us and made a huge difference like yeah definitely and then to move away from talking about the D and going into the attack like you were just on fire but like in particular a couple of the lads like and you just wonder at times like when Terry is playing like he did on day one or, or like, and even in day two, like he was just unplayable. Uh, it was oh. like he was playing a touch game out there. Like, do you yeah. in attack, do you just think like Terry's hot right now? Just give him the ball and let him do create something. Oh, 100%. Like, even like, you know, if we just know, like, if it's coming to the forward side, like, we'll just try and suck in as many defenders as we can, like, carry really hard. And once you get that ball into, like, Terry or Jordo's hands, like, you know, there's going to be damage made somewhere. Like, you know, they're just, they are class, like, class to watch, like, to pair them, like, together. Like, so it's just the combination of speed and footwork, like, is just class, like, to be fair. Like, yeah, like, it, to watch the two of them that weekend, like it was like watching. They were playing rugby awake, but they had the cheat code where you flick the controller and you just go back. You go through everyone, like it was ridiculous. 
like no, everything was wor- was working. Like when he threw that offload out the back to Jordan, like Master. on the day, like obviously he probably has done it in training a few times, but like that's not going to come off too often. Like, and it just no. seemed like he got that rub of the green. But you do um, make your own luck as well. Like you do, you sure do. But he was just so hot that once, like he, he was willing to try anything. Like, and that was just unbelievable. To be fair, like I haven't seen like it was Fiji esque sort of stuff there. Like, so it was, it was unbelievable. Like. Yeah, but then the two boys got into the, the team of the tournament. Sure, it was basically an Irish team of the tournament, really. Like, you got in there as well yourself. Did you sure did you get a good bit of pride out of getting into it as well? Like, because obviously you do go about, like, you played phenomenal, as I said to you last week, but you do go about the hard kind of dirty work at times. Oh, yeah. Like, as in, like, that's what I mean. Like, everyone has their place in the team, like, and you know what you're going to bring to that team. Like, so it's just about bringing your strength to each game if you can, especially in them big games. Like, if you if you can win your area, like, it'll make a huge difference to the team. So I just knew that my my like my strength is just um really turning over the ball or whether it's like even as you said, like hard carries like to try suck into defenders, like and then that makes the difference then for for lads out wide, like and you know, if everyone can do their role, it makes a difference in terms of the scoreboard and how the, the team goes, like. And obviously paid off. Uh getting the Olympic qualification is no mean feat, like, and it's been a long, long road to here. But sure. I just wanted, before we move on to talking about the road to here, I want to ask you, like, the feelings post-game, what was it What was it like? Was it, like, relief? Was it jubilation? What were you feeling, uh, yourself yeah. and as a collective? Big time, like, surely, like, huge relief to finally do it. Like, as in, like, I've been telling people for the last two years, oh, we're going over to Monaco to compete for an uh, Olympic place. Like, we have to play France, Moa, Hong Kong. Like, you know, I was, it's pretty much on repeat to everybody telling everyone about it. And I was like, in my head, I was like, surely, lads, we have to win this. Like, I've been telling everyone about this the whole time. Like, so, um, to actually get it done, it was unbelievable. Like, it was pure relief. And then, like, just, the like pure adrenaline running through your body like it, it literally took me the whole week for me to get over that like as in like the pure mental and physical like torture on your body like it was unbelievable like um and like i just like talking to people now it just puts a big smile on your face like let knowing that you're gonna go like that the team is going to tokyo like so it's just it is unbelievable to be fair like yeah and the adrenaline would be pumping but i'm sure the adrenaline was pumping all week like because oh. I saw that she had, uh, you had a few beers in the hotel afterwards, and then when you got back, you had a few beers when you came back. It was it a heavy one? Um, I it was heavy enough. All right, to be <laughs> fair, <laughs> you have to celebrate them moments. So you have to make the most of them. To be fair, like, um, yeah, no, you're right. We had a uh, we had a few drinks on. We had our own. We weren't allowed outside the hotel in Monaco just for COVID restrictions. Um, and we had our own uh, we had our own floor in the hotel. So we were up uh, drinking there for the, the night anyway. Like and it was good. It actually worked out so well, man, because we had we had all the players together and all the management. And generally when when you go out, like you know yourself, like everyone gets split up and everyone's going here, there, and everywhere. But everyone was together and it was just just everyone is just telling their own stories about how how hard it's been over the last couple of years, but it's how great it's been to get here and like oh it was unbelievable. And then the next day we we went to Jack Kelly, uh, one of the lads on the team. He had everyone over to his house, and all the girlfriends came over because I think all the lads have girlfriends on the team. Bar Bar Jordo and Harry McNulty, everyone else has a girlfriend on the team. Like so, 
it's uh it was it was interesting to me all the girlfriends um and it was it was good crack to be fair all the girls enjoyed it as well because obviously they've given up a whole lot as well like they've supported us all the way along the way as well too so it was nice for them to get out to enjoy it and celebrate it with us too like I'm sure Jordan and Harry would have been able to source someone to come to the barbecue, no problem anyway. But, <laughs> oh, but talk, talking about, no uh, no talking about the, um, friends and family and the support that they've given you over the last few years. Like, well, like it's been a long time because from ha- having Harry on two weeks ago and then from even going to college with yourself, like, it was when was it 2015 when you got involved with the sevens? Yeah, we started all off. Yeah, I, I actually I came back to Northern Irish, I think it was 2013, 2014, around there. And then um I went back to actually starting the college with you in DCU. And then the 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 sevens program started up in 2015. So I actually went, there was there's five of us now that are on the team that started back in 2015. So you have Harry McNulty, myself, Terry Kennedy. Ian Fitzpatrick and Mark Roach and it's been a long long road since there like as in they've pretty pretty much come from the bottom of Europe like in Division C all the way up along then into Hong Kong into the qualifiers in Hong Kong graduated through that into the World Series and now we've done a World Cup and we've done now we've qualified for the Olympics and just from my my own journey around that like initially I actually, like, you know, like me, like you've been around me for a long time now as well. Um, I was injured for, I, I didn't get my first cap till 2018, actually, because I was injured for three or four years. Like I literally hamstring after hamstring after hamstring, like just could not get used to the load, couldn't get get onto the field at all. Um, and then luckily enough, through like some really good management from the the management side of things like some really good player management in terms of like getting my load right and being in with physios and stuff I managed to uh, get on that team in 2018 and that was actually my first cap when we um when we came third in the invitational tournament in in London um we came third in the world series um so that was unbelievable like it was like probably one of our first milestones like really like as a group like so it was it was special to really get out there and actually play in that like as well so uh, it was huge. I don't think people realise though, like how far down the pecking order you were till they oh. qualified the Olympics. Like, how many leagues did you have to go through? Three was a Fira League or four? Three, yeah, uh, CBA, and then into the Grand Prix, then, which is like the Europe Grand Prix, and you had to finish up around the top of that top two and that to get into the the World uh, Hong Kong World Series qualifier. So it was a uh, it was a it was a long road, like. And the first year at the qualifier, you had heartbreak. At the first year, wasn't he? You got knocked out in the semi, was it? In the semi final against Japan, yeah. I actually, <laughs> I pulled my hamstring when I went over to Hong Kong, and I pulled my hamstring that week in Hong Kong. So I actually missed out on that tournament. I was actually I watched the tournament, but uh, we lost in the semi final against Japan. Um, like it was last, like as in Mark Roach kicked the ball, hit the post, and he came back, and he went to regather it. Um, if it didn't hit the post, he would have scored, Like, but he just went to regather and just fumbled it over the line in the last play. And then Japan went to length and scored in the, in the like, obviously in, in extra time or in stoppage time uh, to go through, and they actually qualified for the series. So it was heartbreak, but I think that galvanised us and really made us a good bit stronger when we came back the following year and finally got the job done, like. Yeah, but then you got the bounce of the ball the following year. 
like when Harry went over and did the dive that he got all the stick for. Um, yeah. But yeah, that must have been tough. Like, and as you said, it, it's a it's all a growth kind of experience because Rochi doesn't make many mistakes. No, and then sure. he like I don't know how he took that, but like that's got to be hard to bounce back from it. But like he he haven't let anything get to you in terms of any sort of failure. Like you've kind of used it to grow and to improve, and then you've just come back stronger each time. And like you're in such a good position, and that applies to both the team. And to yourself as well, because you're saying all the hamstring issues there, but like there was a few other niggles as well, uh, not just hamstring related, wasn't there? Like, and I and I don't think that laughing, like I don't think we've ever known each other where one of us was fully fit. To be honest, no, I surely don't. I don't think so. Man. <laughs> Two it's fucking class, like young have. lads are cropped, cropped like oh, cropped is right. Like yeah. at least that works out in my favour. Like I'm actually a physiotherapist. Like I went off and yeah. done a masters in physio, so it actually it works big time in my favour. At least I know all the injuries now, and I'm treating anybody. Like oh, I've had that. I've had that. Yeah, exactly. It's useful. It comes in useful. So. Do you always get like, an, well, I know you're only finishing the Masters now, so you've in the past always had an external perspective of a physio uh, going through the kind of rehab program with you and, go, and doing all the treatment with you. But yeah. does that come in really handy when you're rehabbing yourself in terms of knowing when to back off? Because rugby players and lads in general have a real problem, and Irish lads in general, it's always more is better and they'll always yeah. push it too much. And that's with hamstrings, it's such a fine line as well. Like, so oh, it's, like, it's about getting that threshold right. Like, um, I know big time, like, it, it does make a huge difference. Like, I like obviously you get an understanding of the anatomy and everything that's going on. Like, so it is, it's hugely important. Like, we're lucky enough, like, our physio is great in with us, like, Orla Armstrong, and like, she's helped me a lot in terms of like both in my career and um, on my injury front. Like, so it just makes a huge difference when you have that type of management work with you and helping you out like so um no it's massive like you're no spring chicken now anyway either <laughs> no, surely not like <laughs> still have a few years left me though ah, yeah 100% 100% but then to I'm in my, touch I'm in my prime PD I'm in my absolute prime so yeah, yeah absolutely yeah though like realistically though like yeah. you, you're performing at such a level and injury free and what we we're chatting about there like the last time you were injury free I know you Missed the the pre-tournament kind of games against um, Great Britain. But yeah. like to see a performance so well last weekend was just a joy to see because knowing the story, like what you've been through, every time I've met you, you've <laughs> been injured. I know it's shit it's to laugh at. It's like, oh, that fella. Like, did it ever cross your mind? Like, Jesus, it's a big commitment. I'm making lots of sacrifices here for the sevens. Is it going? Is it worth it? Like, Oh, there has. There surely has been long walks and a lot of thinking going on, like at, at times, like there surely was. Um, I remember there was a stage there just pre 2018 when, like, I had so many injuries and I, I wasn't like, I was, I was getting, I was getting selected for teams. And then the week beforehand, I'd pull out with like a, an injury of some sort. And I remember I actually, I went over to my girlfriend was in America at the time and I went over to America and I just said I needed a couple of weeks break and just get away and clear my head and I remember thinking should I go back or shouldn't I go back like or what was the plan and then I I said look I'll give it another crack I'll give it a go again like I can surely do this like I knew deep down that I had I was well able for it like and I, I was well able for that level but it was just more so whether I could get my body right and then 
luckily enough, when I did go back, I had some great physios. Like I had like Emma Galvin there, another like class physio, like who helped me get through a lot. Like um, and yeah, she got me on, got me back onto the pitch and got me playing. And then like you know, it sort of is ever since it's just kept rolling forward from there. Like and we've just kept climbing like climbing and getting into great positions like as a team and you know hopefully it'll just keep going now it'll keep we can push hard now in the olympics and see where that takes us like that's interesting as well that was always in the couple of weeks or the week before have you thought a lot about the stress response of being picked and coming into the tournament and whether anxiety around getting injured actually had a negative effect on you in the lead up to tournaments um and maybe you're a little bit more relaxed now because you're more experienced um, I'm not, I don't think necessarily it was. I think it was more of a load issue. I think it was more things like it started creeping up on me, like, and then I I just pull out because it, it was, I was only ever fit for a couple of weeks and then it'd go and a couple of weeks and it'll go. Look, I think that might have a total to play. It could do, like, now that the fact I've played in bigger tournaments and I'm used to it now. But then, as I was saying there, like in Monaco, like, I was, uh, pretty nervous. <laughs> For each game, like before going out, like, but that's a good thing, uh, though, as well, depending on how you spin like, it. Like, it's part and parcel of like my like prep before a game. Like, I, I need to be nervous, like, I have to have that. And then, as soon as I get out for the warm up, I'm 100%, like, you know, all that's gone, like, and you're ready to rock, like. But um, I think it is a huge part of it. Like, you know, I, I think if you're not nervous, like if you're nervous, you care. Like it, it shows uh, like that you really care about it and you really want to win. Like, so it's just a matter of don't let it overtake you completely. Let it settle. But then once you get out there onto that training field, or onto the pitch or once you get out there, like you're, you're pretty much switched on and ready to go. Like, yeah, I'd hope you're not nervous for training now. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, only in the ne- only in the last week or so I, I was going to say for the next couple of weeks going to be nervous enough all right when are, yeah when are they making the selection um i think it could be called next week i think it could be out like um i'm not 100 percent certain yet so and how many of you are training together at the moment um there's i think 25 or 6 in the squad like so there's there's a good few there like you know for 13 places yeah, yeah. So it's it is massive. Like to be fair, like so. But I'm sure even it, the lads that aren't selected, like they'll be still going to training and trying to prep the lads well, that will be going as best they can for know, heading yeah, over like, and playing against the cream of the crop. Um, that's it. Like, if like you, look at our, you got a tough group. Like that's what I was gonna say. If you look at that group there, for instance, like it's a it's a very tough group. Like South Africa, USA, Kenya. Like you know they're all physical teams very strong like they're they're the best of the best like you know um so we'll have to be at our very best if we're to compete with these guys like we'll have to be right up there you've but beaten the us though and you've beaten kenya have you beat south africa before we we drew with south africa in la in the series i actually wasn't i was injured at the time <laughs> the, the lads were up um i think it was 1912 and they got a free kick um and the lads went to run it back, but unfortunately there was still time on the clock. So then South Africa won off that. So they, or they drew, they drew the game. So we should have won. We should have won that game. We've played South Africa quite a lot, like in terms of we went down and played train, training games against them and stuff down in Stellenbosch. And we played them in tournaments outside the World Series, like in Chester and in different areas like that. So we are used to them, but they are like, you, you have to be at your very best to beat them guys. Or if you're to be up there, like you have to be 
like everything has to be a hundred percent. Like, yeah, they like they won the World Series a, a couple of years in a row, did they? Or a couple they, of years ago? They won it in two thousand eighteen anyway. Um, yeah, and twenty nineteen, I think. Yeah, you were right. And then, uh, they were second last year, so they just lost. They, they them and New Zealand were in the hunt for it, so. They're, they've they're, gone through a bit of a transition though haven't they in terms of a few of their players have gone over to do what Harry was doing and playing the MLR too like Harry's yeah, best mate Cecil Africa's over there yeah there's a good few South Africans gone over and then there's even a lot of South Africans who've transitioned into 15s in South Africa like Roscoe Speckman's actually oh, playing yeah, sure he's, on the... he, he's playing this weekend for South Africa so there's a they're they're missing a few of their their stalwart guys like but you never know like they like they're still going to be quality like with, with what guys they have there like they've they've always got great talent coming through you know it seems like they have more of a conveyor belt of talent not that we don't in Ireland as well but it's just that the sevens game isn't as big in Ireland um, as oh, it would be abroad even though yeah. we have the biggest kind of sevens tournament in the world in terms of can say like um it's weird that like there's not that many competitions for say people that are outside of that uh that squad that you're on no you're you're 100 right like as in the south african sevens are huge like it's it's like it's as big as the 15s down there like it's massive um and they've just such a conveyor belt the young guys coming through there so that's what we're hoping now with sort of the a bit of exposure through the olympics and through the series um, we can get more bums on seats and more people really watching the sevens and getting more invested into it because it is a great pathway for the 15s as well as there's been so many guys that have come through the seven setup that are now have either been Ireland capped or that are regular starters in that Ireland team like so in the in the 15 side so it's it's great to see like and you know there's been so many guys coming through through our sevens pathway and like they, they're quality like they're absolutely quality so like I, I'll definitely see more guys that are even in the setup now that are going to push on into that sort of into the professional 15 side and push on through there like yeah, that was what I was going to ask you about because Greg spoke recently about a few of the lads still having an itch to scratch in the 15s game. Do you think that, I know the sevens has been more of kind of a pathway into the 15s for a lot of players in the past. Like, as you said, like there's lads in the Irish squad there that now that, and lads in Ulster, uh, Leinster, Connacht, Munster, all over the place that have played with the sevens. Do you think yeah. that it is, uh, going to be in the future even more of a major pathway for young players and what do you think needs to be done in terms of the country as a whole and their approach to sevens to facilitate that like because you know when you go to these tournaments who's going to be playing in the elite every every time that there's an elite kind of uh, level at the at the few tournaments in Ireland it's the same crowd that are in it nobody else wants to play because they're just running into each other it's no crack <laughs> yeah no exactly like no like in terms of the, the sevens like it, it is a huge opportunity for young guys coming through like and i don't highly promote it because you're you're isolating your skills like as in like you're isolating your one-on-one -on -one tackle like you've got so much more space than you have to make that tackle your one-on-one -on -one footwork has to be so much better like even your catch pass has to be up there and like you know individual skills like around the kickoff and stuff that really translate back into the 15s games and you're getting a lot more reputations in terms of when you're playing sevens because it's continuous like you're repping it out repping it out whereas in 15s you probably don't get that repetition that you would when you're playing that sevens game 
So it is definitely a big one for young guys coming up along. Um, but what we need and what we found works really well is you have like your core group of guys who are in the sevens, like the likes of your McNulty's, Jordan, Terry, you know, the likes of Billy Dardis, like all these guys, Jack Kelly, all the guys that have been there and know how to play the game. And then you supplement that with academy guys or young guys coming up along and they can learn under the, the core group of guys like and sort of pick up how the game is played. But then it also enhances their skills going forward. Like they're going to get better. They'll get more confidence. Like they've played on a world stage in front of like 40, 50,000 people. Like they've been exposed to bigger spaces. Like, so all these things are hundred percent going to help guys when they make that transition into the professional game. And when they make that transition into that Ireland sort of first cap and like, you know, like I can't promote it enough really like other than that, like, you know, that was what I was going to ask in terms of because like there's been lots of players that have been there and have left and forged paths. Now, is that difficult to transition out of playing with them? Because obviously you're like, oh, Hugo had a great tournament there last week. Oh, he's gone now. Oh, Shane Daly had a great tournament last. Oh, he's gone. Robert Balakoon, all these lads like they're an asset to you while they're there. And then all yeah. of a sudden they're gone and somebody new comes in. But I wasn't aware that she had that vast of a squad, I suppose. So it's not that hard to get somebody to transition straight in. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it, like, obviously, them guys are quality and like, you love having them playing for you. Like, and it's, they're, they're like, obviously, they're great guys as well. Like, you know, um, but as you said, like, you'll always find someone sort of come in and fill them boots, like, or to, to, to step up to the plate, like, you know, like, because there's always guys pushing and jumping at the bit there to get in there, like, you know, so like, Although we'd love to have them guys, they're they've obviously gone on now and they've pushed on with the 15s and they're they're playing class. Like you can see them there, like even at the moment, like it's such a joy to watch to know that them guys like excelled in the in the sevens game and now they're excelling in the 15s game. So it is a joy to watch, like. Yeah, definitely, and they're they're all flying it as well. Like, and it seems to be that it really accelerates their development going into the sevens program in terms of like. I know they're all fantastic players, but they wouldn't have been being spoken about as this guy is going to be the next biggest thing. Then they go into the sevens. They just come out of the sevens program absolutely on fire. Like like Hugo Keenan, I know he didn't exactly come out of nowhere, but like it seemed that he just went from academy at Leinster to starting fullback for Ireland in less than 12 months like. I know, yeah, he's flying it like it's it's like it's he's just so clinical, like in everything he does, like you know, it's it's great to see. And then he's got that attack and flair as well, like and he was always he was quality for us as well, like like he never missed a tackle, like he was his game was always a one, like you know, he's he was uh he's great, like and there's no surprise that he's there, like at all, like everyone knew, like he was he was definitely within a shout of a lines selection as well, like there, you know. Yeah. Do you notice a big difference between those type of lads that have gone on to play top level, top tier one international rugby when they come into the squad? Or is there like anything that stands out about them? Um, yeah, like as in they just do the simple things really well. Like as in they're they're very good at like their one-on-one tackles, like their footwork is like phenomenal, like you know, they they are world class, like but then like you look at the likes of like Terry and Jordo as well, like as in they they do all that and more as well, like you know, they're they're proper class as well, like you know, so you know, they're they're just 
I suppose they're sort of earmarked when they come in, as in like these guys are definitely going to push into the 15s, but they need to upskill a little bit. And they definitely upskill when they come into the sevens. So when they come out, then they're in that better position that we've spoken about. Like, Yeah. Just talking about it there and the standard of the lads that were in the squad back in the early days, like not that there's not a fantastic standard now, but the standard that you were playing against with, poor Ukraine and all these teams in Sweden and Finland and Jesus the scores must have been just oh, ridiculous cricket. cricket scores like oh the lads are absolutely hammering them like yeah like I think they had a couple of teams like 80 nil and stuff like as in like just kick off catch score kick off catch score like you know it was it was unbelievable like yeah but like it I know it's it we're not we're we might be having a bit of a laugh here but we're not exactly slagging them because imagine you turned up to a sevens tournament like all right, boys, this would be a bit of crack or whatever. And then you're playing against a fella that's maybe a potentially a future lion on the opposite side. Exactly, like. yeah. It's, it's tough going, like, you know, like, especially in them lower leagues. But, like, obviously when you get up along then, it obviously gets a lot harder, like, and you've got, you're got playing against proper quality then, like, you know. Yeah. So talk to me about going over to play against the proper quality again now in the Olympics. In terms of the structure of, the tournament because it's played over two days but they're separate separated by a day is it it's, it's and played there's over, three groups there's three groups yeah it's played over three days like and then we have yeah so we'll have our our three group games and then determining on how we do in that then hopefully we'll make ourselves into a quarter final and sort of go from there and um, so it's the top two whoever finishes the top two in each group will go through and then the two best third places will then also go into the into the quarterfinals. That's good as well, though, that there's three, there could be potentially three coming out of each group. Points difference is obviously going to be a oh. massive factor, but in other sevens tournaments, if you don't perform in those first few group games on day one, like, sorry, you're in the bowl or you're in the plate or whatever, oh. you're not competing you're in the cup, so it's real cutthroat. And then yeah. over the course of three days rather than two, it's going to be different, I would say, in terms of you'll have a little bit more time for recovery or in between days yeah sometimes i i personally prefer like a two-day tournament and just having the the three game three games like because you're you're in the zone like whereas when you sort of split it up into the three days you sort of you're you've another night's sleep and like your body like when you wake up after night's sleep you're fairly stiff and you have to get yourself going again but look, we like we 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 played both like we played both the three days and the two days. So like we're happy to need or or like so we'll just give it a good crack now anyway and we'll get out there. Yeah, please God you get on it now. It's really kind of as you said exploded in the last while because nobody was kind of giving you a look in it seemed for a while. Like there was bits and pieces here or there of the media and being a little bit interested in it. But then all of a sudden yeah. you can't get Greg and Jordan and off the TV now. They're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time, so they are, yeah, exactly. The Jordo getting his Adidas deals, and yeah, I saw that. Gas, all right, thought is, yeah, stop. He knew what he wanted and he went straight for it, like he in sure the post match. No messing around with him, anyway. No, he'd be straight in there. Oh, yeah, straight in, no kissing. Terry yeah. was standing there beside him trying to give a serious interview. Here's Jordan, <laughs> Jordan thinks he's in the NBA here. <laughs> Yes, oh, such a funny character. It's funny, though. It is, it's great to it's great to get an actual proper look at the difference in characters amongst the squad. Like, and you obviously have a real good team culture, and you get on really well. But like, oh, there are lads that are polar opposites in there. 
oh there surely is like but that's what makes the dynamic so good like you know like oh everyone gets on so well like just such a good such a good uh bond between the boys like to be fair and like to be fair like we've gone through so much together like at this stage like you know like we've traveled like so far and like worked so hard to get to this point like you know everyone's working so hard together like it just makes such a difference like yeah so definitely just, the words like you just have a connection we're not going to go real sappy but it is a connection yeah. the, I know it is, lads yeah. connection like and i'm sure like i'm not the only one that if you could get a gopro at that session in the team hotel afterwards Maybe oh. not that one. Maybe the barbecue would have been better viewing, but like, like the, you can't stop the boys putting up stories. Usually, there was no phones allowed. For them. No, not a phone in the place. Like, you know, hundred percent. Like, that's all of it. Just all of it. The boys at that stage. Then, like, you know, exactly. Um, but then we were talking about the few lads that you've played with that have gone on to get international caps in a seventh squad, but um, I was looking at the under-20s World Cup that you played in, and four yeah. of the lads off the squad are now away with the Lions. Yeah, I know, it's huge, it's class, like, that That 20s team was special as well, like, it's a very good team. We actually bet South Africa in South Africa, they actually went on and won, won the World Cup after, like, yeah, like, you had Tyke Furlong, Ian Henderson, Tyke Byrne, and Jack Conan are all on the, the Lions squad now, like, you know, so it's, it's great to see, like, they're they're great guys as well and they were they were like you could tell they were class and like well, I remember playing with them like even in like with both the 20s and with club and stuff like that and they were just quality like quality players like game changers like in all fairness like you know just done their roles really well and and done more like more and above like and it's just great to see them guys going on now and like representing Ireland for the Lions and hopefully now to go down to Africa and get a job done down there like yeah, because you played with Tyg with Lansdowne, was it? And I, you... Yeah, Tyg Byrne with Lansdowne. Yeah, yeah you're right enough, yeah. And, and then, then... I would have come, like, I would have come all the way up, like, like all Leinster underage and Leinster sub-academy and stuff with both Tyg, uh, Tyg Byrne and Jack Conan. And then sure, Tyg Furlong is another Wexford man as well. Like, yeah. I'm Wexford, so, like, I would have known Tyg, like, from playing underage stuff, like, against them. And then, obviously, in, like, the, the Ireland underage stuff, and then Ian Henderson played with us at the Irish under twenties and stuff, and he was just quality. Like so, he was he was such a beast at underage stuff. Like yeah, sure, he was probably two twice the size of everybody else at the oh, he tournament. Was like huge, like he was he was class to be fair. Like he was such a mammoth of a man. Like there was a few of that South African side that you played against and you beat that are on the South African side now as well. That the Lions yeah. are going to be playing against this now. Yeah, there's Pierre Stefdesois. There was uh, Kishkoff. Uh, Yankees, there's a few different you man Serpentine, there's a few different guys that were playing like they're that were quality like they ended up winning the World Cup after Pollard like they, was on actually, wasn't he? Pollard was on it as well, yeah, yeah, he was too actually. Um they so we we'd beaten them and then England actually bet us. Um and then South Africa managed to get through our group. It was only it was straight to a semi-final. Mm. Um so us in England lost it, like they bet England, so it was like a sort of three-way tie for the top and South Africa just managed to get through and then they they won like so and then you bet uh, England again then in we the bet England place, again to it? get fifth place like so it was uh, yeah it could have, anything could have happened but like um, it was it's sort of class to see them guys going on now and like playing like in the lines and stuff like it's it's just unbelievable. yeah I was just going to say that's a long time ago now so it is done oh, it is, very yeah. 
And you're 19. 20, young lad. 20, 2012 now, so, yeah. And 28 10 years nearly. And nearly is, nearly. Yeah. Um, so what do you make of their Lions chances against Africa? What do you think? I, I think they can do it, like, 100%. Like, um, obviously, South Africa are world champs, like, and their, their quality. But, like, you've got to look at that team going over, that Lions team going over with the quality that they have in it. Like, it's, like, I, I can't see them being beaten. Like, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to think they do it. They probably do. I'd say it could go down to 2-1, like, maybe to the Lions, I'd, I'd reckon. Like, but you never know what would happen, like, really over there. Sure, nobody's seen South Africa play in since the World Cup, like so yeah. you you can't really tell what's going to happen. And then this COVID outbreak, like I know they're meant to play Georgia this weekend. You said that Speckman's in for that. Like, I, is that going to go ahead? I don't even that's know. Yeah, you don't know. Like that's the thing. Like with the whole COVID thing, it's but, a bit of a bummer. With the Lions as well, it's one of the first times that the starting fifteen is just up for grabs. Like it's up in the air. Like Ty Furlong <laughs> will be there. I'd say. But like anybody else, anyone could. Murray's going to probably start now because he's captain. But like any anybody could go in, couldn't they? Like yeah, no, easily anyone could fill them. Like fill any of the positions there. Like there's such quality as well across the whole squad. Like so, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out now. And all the Irish lads went well at the weekend as well, which was yeah. good to watch. Like, and then you have the dimension as well about Ty Byrne. Is he going to continue playing six, or are they going to stick him in second row, or? Like yeah, just to get more poachers because it seems like he's going for he wants people to poach ball like, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting viewing for sure. And there's a few of your Lansdowne former teammates as well after getting drafted into the Irish setup as well to make their debuts this weekend. Yeah. So like, it's all happening, taking fast, isn't it? It is. It's all coming in very fast. Like getting, it's good to see the Lansdowne lads getting good representation there. Like and coming through. Like so. No, it's good quality, good quality in Irish rugby at the moment. So yeah. hopefully it will keep going anyway. I said hopefully they can get the win against Japan at the weekend as well. Like so, yeah. that'll be a big one. And hopefully you will be able to get an Olympic tattoo so you can show that off to them because there's none of them that'll have that. <laughs> no, hundred percent. Yeah, me line up a bit of patch of an area now to get done anyway. So I may. What area are you thinking? <laughs> what area are you thinking? I'm going for the ribs in here, baby. I had a feeling you were going to go for something else. Yeah, well, where are you thinking? <laughs> I'm not going to say. Um, right, we'll move on to the quick fire question. Um, sure. And the first one is proudest achievement today. Probably the first cap in London, winning the, the bronze medal against England in the, in the semi-final. Yeah, shook up the world on that one. And it was such a crazy finish to the game as well. Roshi nailing the conversion then. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. Talking about Harry and the and and the line out not going to plan and you still coming away and scoring the try like it's just class. Yeah, class. And everybody that really put sevens kind of on the map for Ireland that first, is, like that, that kind of put into the mind of everyone. Started, yeah. So we don't know if you're definitely going to be there yet, but Olympic sport that you're most excited to either watch or experience, if allowed, if you're over there, or it might be at home on TV. Yeah. I wouldn't say so, but. We'll leave it a little bit out the, there. The, the trial and tested the 100 meter sprint, like the one yeah. that everyone wants to watch. Like, you know, like it's, uh, it would be unreal to experience that in real life. Like, wouldn't it? Like, it'd be class. Yeah. What is the story with Japan, like, and restrictions? And do you know, like, have you even spoken about it or is it kind of taboo? Like, when, I think when you go over, is it just bubbles? 
I think we'll be having meetings like closer to the time around what's going on, going to go on around out, out there. I'm not sure whether we're allowed to even go to the events or yet or that yet, you know. So hopefully, like fingers crossed, we get to get going to them. Like you'd hope that all the athletes would be in like a COVID bubble, say, like or COVID free bubble, and um, you'd want to have somebody at the events, surely. Like even if, even if it's only athletes that can go, like it, you can even notice, like looking at the Euros in England and they don't have full stadiums but just having somebody at the stadium makes a difference in terms of the atmosphere like oh big time yeah it'll make a huge difference like you need you need the sport there I think like you know you need a bit of a bit of crowd there to make it more enjoyable and more of an experience anyway a silent sevens tournament would be so weird as well wouldn't yeah. it oh, it'd be bizarre like so would even though like at the weekend or in Monaco, like it was, there was a lot of French support there. It was still still nice to have someone shouting there anyway, like you know. Yeah, even if they're booing you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't. I could not believe Harry didn't dive. I know, yeah. Well he he sort of did, but not not as much like he did over in Hong Kong that time. Yeah. It's probably because all the lads have been in his ear the whole time about Hong Kong that time. <laughs> That's what he was thinking about before he scored. It's like surely he can't dive again, like. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I was like, he's and that was that was the time to dive as well because yeah. it was at the end, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, whereas the one in Hong Kong was at the start, so he's getting it all mixed up. So he is. Yeah, his face afterwards was brilliant. He's he's putting the oh. memes up now. It's just gas, like so, so funny. funny. People like all oh, make a T-shirt of his face and all like. And you were up on you were up on Jack Kelly, weren't you? When they've had yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jumping all over, like yeah. Oh, brilliant. Right. Who's going to play you in the movie? Uh, Tom Hardy. That's a fucking shout, you know. That is yeah. a shout. Tom Hardy from Warrior. Say, oh, you look like Tom Hardy or whatever. Like, but I don't know. I don't see it at all. Good. Staying humble again. Who's your <laughs> favourite rugby player of all time? Uh, Brian O'Driscoll. Yeah, fair. fair Ever enough. since I was a young lad, like always, Brian O'Driscoll. Like, yeah. I thought you'd go for a Gordon Darcy, the Wexford connection. I don't know. I just always like since I was a tot, like it's always been a Driscoll, like so. I was, yeah. yeah, fair enough. An interesting one actually, because Harry has a big kind of love for sevens and talking to him. Do you have a favorite sevens player of all time? Because his favorite player was Po Two, I think. I used to love uh, William Ryder. Uh, the oh, yeah. Fiji, like I used to love him when I was younger watching it. Like, but I wouldn't have too many. Like you know, other than other than him now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was rapid as well. Fiji always seemed to have just one lad that's not as big as the rest of them, but is just electric, like. Yeah, rapid and serious footwork, like. Yeah, so you're just like Jordan. You just stay opposite him there, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> and right. you can chase him down if he breaks the line. One hundred percent. What artists have you been listening to a lot recently? Um, I tell you, I I was listening to Luke Coombs recently, like a lot of country sort of stuff. And just I don't know, one of the lads got me into it. And then uh funnily enough, like Ian Fitzpatrick, I was rooming with him over in um over in Monaco and he wouldn't stop listening to Olivia Rodrigo. And I was like, Oh, will you turn that crap off? And now I have a guilty pleasure of like listening to that now as well. Like, so I was gas, like she's good, she's good in fairness. And I was gonna say in terms of uh, the affinity for the country music like pure Wexford so the next one is what meal or food are you loving at the moment and I was going to say is it just potatoes and strawberry I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say um, 
what it called the mother yeah the mother's dinner the the venison with the roast venison with potatoes and veg man sure he couldn't get any more country than that could you no not really and you're hunting for the venison as well aren't you yeah no 100 like yeah oh, did you bro. is that what you treated the boys to when they went down greg and harry no, I actually the, the shooting season in, isn't in at the moment. So I actually I brought the lads out to uh, the Salties Island and brought them out to visit the puffins. All of, and Harry got loads of snapshots of them, like and stuff. Oh yeah, but what I was saying was, did you give them a, a bit of the oh, of venison when they came in for the dinner? I did. Yeah, I gave them some venison all right to take home with them. Good uh, lucky bag with them, so they did. So they they said they're happy they out with that. Yeah, they love it. Right. Um, are you reading any books lately, or do you have time? Um, I, I don't, I'm not a big reader, but I tell you, I'm, I'm just reading a lot of physio books and stuff at the moment. Yeah, like, so boring enough. Like, yeah, a lot of major anatomy. Yeah, Mackenzie's and stuff like that. So, like, it's, it's, uh, it's grand. When are you finish the masters? I'm finished it, so I. Oh, you are finished. Year, yeah, so I'm done just now. Uh, I was doing a little bit of part-time work, so I was um with Niall Barry in dynamic physiotherapy there. So if anyone wants to call in around the Docklands, there you go, get it in there. <laughs> where is it around the Docklands? I said. It's at the back of the Marker Hotel. There, it's just dynamic physiotherapy is what it's called. Yeah. I'll put Foster's phone number underneath the post, so you can ring. <laughs> no, I won't even get it out there. <laughs> Yeah, so the last question then is the big one. What would you tell your 18 year old self? What would I tell my 18 year old self? Um, I tell him to believe in himself, to uh, never give up. Okay, good message there for everyone. Foz, cheers for coming on. That was great. I were no, by. No, it was great to be in, man. Now we're no, no time left, you know. So uh, it's great to catch up with you, man, especially after all the DCU days. Yeah, exactly. We'll leave them uh, unnamed or we won't talk about them <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> I have a few stories if anyone wants to find out about PD Performance. <laughs> Thanks for coming to the PD Performance podcast, everyone. We'll see you next time. <laughs>